I've never had any talent for music. I took some saxophone lessons when I was a kid and they didn't really take, if you handed me a sax now, I'd know which end was up and that's about it. But music has always fascinated me. I love it. And part of the reason I love basketball so much is that I do see a sort of rhythm in it. I'm not the best X's and O's guy out there. I can recognize how a team is defending a pick and roll, but you can find a lot of writers out there better at articulating exactly what's happening. I'm more interested in people and I'm interested in how the game flows. And to me, that's always felt sort of rhythmic, but I admit I don't see that the way J. Kyle Mann sees it. Kyle is a creator at The Ringer, and if you've seen his basketball videos, you know he's doing something totally different than anyone else. He's making pop culture references and offbeat observations, but he does it with this side order of analytics. He feeds you numbers, but a joke or an absurd Photoshop helps it go down easier. And there's a musicality to a lot of his best work, including the video he did last year on The Thunder. If you haven't seen it, it's maybe not a prerequisite for this podcast, but it's recommended watching at the very least. If I were you, I'd pause now, Go search J. Kyle Man Thunder on YouTube and come right back to us after what I assure you will be a delightful 11 minutes. Kyle is really interested in the Thunder and in Chet Holmgren. He views them in an interesting way that we'll get into. And as a bonus, he's a lifelong Kentucky fan who's watched, watched a lot of Case and Wallace. My conversation with J. Kyle Man of The Ringer is coming right up. I'm Brett Dawson, and this is Heard Thunder. Before we bring in Kyle Mann, I want to take a minute to thank the sponsors who support our show, MidFirst Bank, Laser Light Skin Clinic, the National Cowboy and Western Heritage Museum, Fire Lake Casino, and your Oklahoma Ford dealers. Drive into your best in Oklahoma Ford dealers today for the best deals on Ford's full lineup of trucks and SUVs. Ford is the best in Oklahoma. And so with that, we bring in Jay Kyle Mann of The Ringer. Kyle, Kyle, do I call you Kyle? It's weird for me to not call you Jay Kyle. No, it'd be weirder to call me J. Kyle, I think. I, the J is just there to, to to distinguish. The only reason I put it there, I've told people this, is to distinguish me from that satirist, <laughs> that guy that I'm not a fan of. So that's, <laughs> I had some people who were harassing me. They're like, oh, snooty, snooty, douchey J. Kyle. I'm like, no, guys, like no one in my life. You can call me Kyle, long, roundabout way, just to say. So feel free. Feel free yeah. To call me it's weird because like most of our correspondence is via text. So like, and there you're, you're, you're JKM in text because we're in a group text with another Kyle. And so like the whole Kyle thing gets me a little bit confused. Yeah. And we both go by our middle names, which is something my wife wrings her hands about. She's like, why would your mother do that to you? And I'm like, it's not that big a deal. You have one, you say it one time, you're good. And I like, Kyle. you know, you I know, was going to ask you this because I too, I, I too am a middle name guy. Brett is not my first name. So that whole group text, me, you and Kyle Tucker from the athletic, that's all middle namers. And I was going to ask you like, is there a reason? Did you always go by Kyle? Did your parents just name you a thing? They weren't going to call you like mine did. I I never really asked my mom why she did that. Um, I know I'm named after Kyle Macy. I mean, like a lot of, there's a whole generation of us. You see it. It's funny to watch the name thing sort of sweep over yeah. the ripple. Like there's a bunch of Kobe's. There were a bunch of Shaq's. Yeah. Kyle's maybe not quite on the same level. I guess our claim to fame is, you know, free throw shooting, a national championship, um, tennis pro, you know, existence. There's that. A, a, there a brief go. cup of coffee being witness to Michael Jordan's brilliance, you know. But it's it's a great name to get. Okay, I yeah. like it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> What's uh? This is a really embarrassing story. I'll tell real quickly before we get into the real stuff. Is that I once um. I once got a, a new mattress. I bought a new mattress. I'd gotten this new job and I was like, I'm going to get this. Like, this is my splurge. I'm going to get a new mattress. I was really due for a mattress. 
And um, I had told our friend Kyle Tucker I was getting this mattress. And, um, you know, he's like, let me let me know when you get it. And I texted him a picture of the mattress, except I texted it to Kyle Macy. <laughs> so <laughs> did Kyle respond? <laughs> He did not. He never got back to me on that one. Um, yeah, but I sent Kentucky basketball legend Kyle Macy a picture of my new mattress. I don't know if that yeah. was the shame, like if he felt the that shame, was an insinuation. <laughs> the the accidental. I was trying to like. Uh, I have my wife's nickname in my phone. I won't say like what it is because it's so uh, it's so mushy and embarrassing. But I was trying to get my voice thing to recognize it so I could say it. I don't even use that, but I like kept saying the nickname and my phone didn't recognize what I was trying to say. And it called the CEO yeah. of our company instead, it like butt dialed it basically. And I was, I'm just like hammering the red bone. No, 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 no. Um, it was, it was way too that's, late. I assume he saw that's it. Amazing. Anyway. Yeah. Look at us fools. I have some great stories about that, that I cannot share on the podcast that do not involve me. Um, but some incredible things texted to coaches that were not intended for coaches. Um, <laughs> as we talk about those names, you know, there's a bunch of Jalen's out in the world too. That's like a Jalen Rose thing. He is credited for all the names. And that segues us nicely into the thunder because everybody's named Jalen. Um, in the intro, I talked about the video you did about the thunder last year and a bunch of stuff has changed since then. But I want to dive in a little bit starting with that because I love that video so much. As you know, I sent a clip of it to Sam Presti. Um, share yeah, it with him. I appreciate you um, doing that. I, I want to talk to him about that. I didn't realize he was such a music fan. Like I ran into him huge. at the at the Wimby Scoot thing last year, and if I'd known that, I would have I would have brought that up. But yeah, that's awesome. I appreciate you doing that. Yeah. So one of the things you it's a it's a great video, and I, as I told people, you know, like legitimately, I would press pause here, go watch that, and come back because we are going to reference it a little. Um, it's updated. They've played a season since then, and Chet. We're going to get into the whole Chet of it all, but um. You know, part of the thing that was so interesting about that, so cool, you do a lot of cool stuff. You have a lot of pop culture references, but your your videos in general, I think, have a musical kind of quality. Some of that is your voice. There's music in the background. Um, but this was kind of specifically about rhythm and drummers. And um, I, I wonder what kind of got you there with uh, it, it's the, the primary focus there. The most musical part of it is about Chet and Josh Giddy, I mean, sorry, Shay and Josh Giddy, and the way those guys kind of play and play off each other. Um, and I wonder, is that like, are you always looking for rhythm in basketball or, or did it something specific there catch you? Um, the, 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 there are a ton of parallels, which I mean, I'm a music person. I spent, you know, the, the only time I really wasn't obsessively watching the NBA every single night was the decade that I spent trying to play in bands constantly always been you know music's a big thing just always my sister's a band director dad played it's just a part of my life but it's pretty hardwired in and and i think a lot of that is basketball is a rhythm sport in general you hear yeah. people use that terminology constantly they say you know is he in rhythm it's a fluid feel thing playing myself i know i feel great when i'm in a rhythm but then there's the also the the flip side of it too is that um the group dynamics between a band and between a basketball team are pretty overwhelmingly like in in rhythm with each other like i constantly watch basketball teams and i think okay like the songwriting is is coming from that person this person is the second person who gets their hands on it and maybe they steer it in this direction that guy's in his groove and has his steady thing that he does that supports the whole thing you know um there's always going to be the people who are like oh you know like uh Steven Adams was the guy was the was the bass player on that OKC you know it's just kind of there are just tons and tons of parallels between the two things 
Um, and you could probably take it into other areas. But the, the other part of it is I'd always kind of had the, the drummer as point guard thing in my head. Um, I thought about, and I think it dates back to, I don't know if there's an exact moment I can think of, it, of where I started thinking on that train, but Shay at Kentucky, you know, we're both Kentucky guys. We're both from the, you know, same congested area of the blue state, I always say, um, um, Shay always had this sort of like, um, slow-mo-y kind of like, I always said he had this R and B kind of way that he played that was hard to, it was, it was always, you'll hear about like in R and B, like the drummers will be behind the beat or something in this way that creates this groove, this, this funky feel. Shay always had that to me and you couldn't speed him up. And I just loved watching him play for that reason. And then, you know, I just kind of fleshed it out a little more once he got to OKC. Of course, they added uh, Santa Clara, Jalen Williams to it to add it even, an even more funky dynamic. But, um, yeah, just that, that's, that's kind of where it's uh, – that's a long answer, I know, but that's kind of where it came from. Yeah, no, that interests me because, like, my first real job starting out was covering Illinois basketball when D. Brown and Darren Williams were there. I'm 100 years old. I know. Don't at me. Um, but like those guys, I always thought of those guys that way in the way that, that D had a little bit of a lighter, almost jazzy touch to his game, the way he kind of, uh, darted quickly, almost like that improvisational kind of jazz. And I thought of Darren Williams and I did write this at one point as like more of a big, big hip hop beat, like a big loud, he's so powerful and he kind of, you know, run right through you. Um, and so I, I was, I'm always been, I've always been drawn to that kind of thing, even though I have zero musical ability whatsoever. Like I can't do anything musically, but I enjoy that kind of comparison. Um, and the, those two guys, I, I think what's fun about that now is that, that if, if you wanted to make a musical analogy and I'd be bad at it cause I'm not, I, you know, I don't know anything about music, but if you listen to like really layered music where a lot is going on, I think the Thunder are kind of doing that now where, the, you know, they've got those two that you talked about the sort of the drumming style of those two guys, the rhythms that they play with. Um, they're, they're adding some new stuff. Jalen Williams, obviously, is one of those things that just sort of it, it, it's deepening the sound a little bit as we go forward. And I think to me, he and and to another degree, Chet, once we get into the Chet thing, um, I think it's making that dynamic make a little more sense. I think the, the, the SGA giddy thing for a long time was like, how do these guys both work? They're both on ball guys. But I think as you start to see the total picture of what they're doing, it, the, the fit makes a little more sense, at least to me. Yeah. Yeah. I think a big thing, uh, an example here is like, I would, you, you can add a lot of pieces and continue to add nuance on there. So long, if you want to make a music and a basketball comparison here, if you want to continue to add and have like a collective, a lot of people on stage, you could do it, but you got to do it knowing that the individual pieces that you're adding go in with like a real deep role understanding, a real deep feel, a real sense for listening you know, not, you know, going wild and, and overstepping something that's, that's appropriate for the, for the dynamic at the time. And I, I think even in that video, at the end of it, I remembered watching that OKC group and just thinking, what, what really is the thing that would like really set this into motion? And I was thinking a big that's switchable with a lot of ball skills. Um, and lo and behold, they end up with Chet Holmgren, who I had as the number one guy in that class. Stand by that still. I still think he could end up being better than Paolo. Um, but yeah, um, that's that's kind of the parallel there. I'm, I'm trying to th I, I went and saw a band called Broken Social Scene the other night. It's one of my favorite bands. And there's like 11 people on stage at some at different points. And you're watching them each individually go. And you're just like, how is this? They're not overstepping because they have great chemistry and they have a lot of great intelligence. 
And I think over and over again, if you watch the types of people that, that OKC, if you're trying to predict who they're going to take, there are just a ton of smart, smart basketball players on this team. And I think that's the reason why that parallel is continuing to work. Yeah, it's funny. Like the band I've seen that's most like that probably is Arcade Fire, um, which is like, you know, very, very basketball oriented guy. Um, so um, that that's like a, a super crowded band. This um, the, the OKC thing, two things you mentioned there, um, the Chet thing. It's so funny. I was talking to Sam Vecini uh, from The Athletic for a story about Chet, and he was so good that I keep kind of going back to stuff he said and using stuff he said. But what he said was like going into that draft night, if you're OKC, the player you really wanted was like a big guy who was really switchable, but was a, like a true elite rim defender. And then a guy who could, if he got the defensive rebound, he could bring it. He could initiate a little bit of offense. He had ball skills to not just move it in your offense, not just stand in a place and not just screen and roll or pick and pop, but like move around within the offense and create something. And he went into all this stuff and he said, so all they needed was a guy who did that. And the only problem is it's effing impossible to find that guy. And yet like there he was for them. Yeah, it's a... It's a miracle that I think that it played out the way that it needed to. If they'd gotten the number one pick, I still think they should have taken Chet. I just think in terms of they like if you look, yeah, if if you look at the way that like Paolo plays, I, I think Franz could have. Well, uh, not Franz. I'm trying to think who was the third pick. I guess it was um, uh, Jabari. Jabari. Jabari, Jabari could have worked with, for them. He could. Yep. He would have done fine. Um, you know, I, I think as a spacer, I think he would have gotten a lot of open looks with that team and defensively would have fit into what they're doing. But Chet obviously is just, you know, I, I made a comparison in the in the big eval. I wrote a gigantic eval about Chet for our site around that time. Um, and I, I kept kind of historically going and looking and I was like, I do. My process is I'll go on and kind of just think like, well, I could realistically see him doing this per game. I'd see him doing this. And I just kind of go down and I build out that profile and then I'll put it into Stathead, which used to be basketball references, like season finder thing. And I was like, this feels realistic to me. And it didn't feel outrageous. And every single name that came up was a Hall of Famer. And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, and then you have a moment where you're yeah. like, do you believe that? Do I believe that, Kyle? Um, and I got thinking about it and I was like, yeah, and, and and the name that kept coming up was Pau Gasol, and I look I look at the, him and I just think um, physically, Pau had bigger shoulders, I guess. But I stood next to Pau in Salt Lake City, and I was like, physically, they're not that. Pau's skinny guy, had really skinny hips. So that's a comparison I come up with, and I, I'm not really coming off of that yet. I, I think that's still possible, Jeff. That's interesting. Defensively, um, there's I, I have so much bias in this because of how much I've watched. Up. Because of how much I've watched this guy play, I, I, I admit my biases. But like defensively, there's some Anthony Davis there in terms of not just the the rim protection, but the timing, the ability to get out to some jump shots, and um, you know, also just the way you can you know you can have Chet guard a pick and roll, but you can also you can put another big guy out there and let him kind of roam and maybe take away part of the floor. Um, and then he also has a weird there's a weird cadence to him that. Like he just reminds me a little bit of AD, just the way he walks, the way he carries himself. Talk about a guy who who did have much wider shoulders and put on a ton of weight. But like I, I see, I get some AD vibes. Yeah, I wonder if Chet's shoulder like width can affect, obviously affect wingspan. And his are so much narrower. They have the same wingspan, mm -hmm. seven six. You wouldn't think so looking at him, but um, yeah, it's 
They they both have, I've mentioned this on some of our shows too, that like one of the things that really encouraged me that is similar to AD is when you would watch AD in college, you would see these guys try to like barrel through his chest or they try to like play physically with him and try to like knock him off his spot. And AD would still finish through the contact. You know, he'd finish with touch, whether it be like a little baby hook or just around the back. I mean, I specifically remember Festus Azili just ramming into him over and over and over again. Yep. And AD was just kind of undeterred, you know, and, and, you know, Chet has had similar situations. People have been kind of coming at him over and over again. And you see what just even a little bit, a good, a good comparison would be that Gonzaga game. I guess it was in the second round. I think we watched that together over beers that night. Uh, that was the night yep. I got really sick. <laughs> I got norovirus that yeah. night. Not from you, I don't know, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, And not from the beers, to be clear. <clears throat> yeah, and the norovirus IPA, never again. Not drinking that one again. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, but Duran and Chet matched up that night. And I remember specifically Duran trying to run him over. And you saw Chet was hanging on for dear life. Fast forward to uh, just a few nights ago, you know, Duran and Chet face off again in the same part of the floor. And Chet doesn't roll over nearly as easily and, and just suffocates Duran. So you can kind of see what functional strength is doing for Chet. And, you know, it's only going to go up from here. He's, he's, uh, his instincts are incredible. I just think he's going to be able to leverage a lot of those gifts that he has to, the more comfortable and strong he gets when he's out there. Did you see the play in that game? Cade Cunningham makes this incredible entry pass. And I don't know if Chet sort of gambled for it or if Duran kind of knocked him off his spot. But either way, he's kind of lunged forward. Duran gets that pass and goes to dunk it, and Chet just kind of smothers the dunk. Yeah, yeah. Cade made an incredible pass to get that in there. The I passes mean, it was kind of- so good. Yeah, it was kind of across the. It's kind of at a forty-five degree angle. Stepped into it, yeah. and hooked it to him. Um, but yeah, yeah, he just he just blocked out the sun. It was it was a great block. I know you watched Chet Wimby. Um, I, I hesitate to call it like Chet Wimby one because it was a preseason game, and they're going to play for real here in just a couple of weeks. In in the um, middle of the dumbest swing of the Thunder season, where they go out west for two games, come home for one Spurs game, and then go back out west because television. Um, but what, what were your takeaways from those, from, from that? Just, just seeing the two guys, I know you've seen them before. I'm sure you saw the, 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 uh, the U19 game, but like, what was the experience of watching that preseason game for you? Oh my God. I was reeling. Um, it's one of the very few times I'll try to like explain to my wife what's going on. And I I was, I just like, was like, had my feet in the air, a lot of data, what's, what's going on kind of things. Julian really doesn't know how to compute enthusiastic reaction my three-year-old son doesn't uh-huh. know how to he just can't process so you know anytime i scream he just looks at me like a like a bizarre creature from another world um so yeah i mean and and that's what it was like watching the, that game was watching two guys who were out of this world um i mean you're just seeing you're seeing the things that we always kind of imagine would happen. We've seen full, fully, we've seen the guard skill sets migrate to the biggest players. We've seen body types. I mean, they're, they're hitting, they're stepping into threes. We're seeing both of them make crazy out of area defensive plays. I think it's interesting too, that um, both of these guys are so flexible and that they can guard wings. You've seen Wimby a lot in the preseason. They're not parking him at the rim and just saying, Hey, you know, come try to climb Mount Matumbo, that type of thing. It's like, um, it's, um, we'll have to think Mount something, some other French mountain, I don't know. Uh, but he's, 
you know, he's playing off ball because he can do that. He's, he's, he's learning, you know, Wimby specifically is learning how to kind of make minor, smaller calculations, like smaller gambles whenever, you know, cause he's big on trying to lunge and make the big play. Um, he doesn't really have to do that. He can kind of make small wagers. Chet, I feel like was a little ahead of him in that sense. He, he yeah. he's not as like long, obviously. And I don't know that he's quite as athletic as Wimby, but, uh, in terms of bounce, but, um, yeah, I mean, it's just crazy. You're you're seeing guys, both guys can kind of pass off the dribble. They get better at finishing. They can, you know, like we said, space the floor. The screening part of it's interesting. They're both lob threats. Um, they're similar. It's just, you know, Wimby's just bigger. It's it's, it's a wild, yeah. it's a wild sort of uh, peership between those two guys. There's, there's a moment where he got this rebound over Chet's back, le- legally, like didn't go over the back. And I wondered, like, when was the last time has it ever happened that Chet was like, well, I was in position. I just wasn't tall enough to get that rebound. <laughs> yeah. Uh, God, I mean, they just, they both. Um, yeah. It, it, Chet kind of, the, the dynamic was interesting between them and the FIBA game, just because Chet kind of kept attacking him off the dribble uh, and yeah. had sort of, um, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to be interested to see how Chet's bag develops because he does kind of love to do that hard dribble right spin to the left um you know yep. he's he's already showing some some signs that he's good at drawing that foul getting his arms under under arms uh i was texting you i think when it was going on that he just had zach collins in prison like it was <laughs> collins was just helpless um but uh yeah they're, they're both wimby's a little bit of a different challenge i think he's he's a little more vulnerable off the dribble he's gonna have to learn how to keep his dribble a little bit lower whenever he's in the mid-range and things like that but um I don't know. Uh, it's 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 a wild time to be alive to watch these two. I'm excited. How many times <laughs> yeah. do they play this coming season? I think it's it's it. Do they play three? That's a good question. I should know that off the top of my head, uh, and I don't. Um, but I know that it's real. The first one is here, and it's really soon. It's in a few weeks, a couple of weeks. Yeah. It's in November. Um, I'm fascinated to see it. The, uh, the high dribble is a thing. I think for both of them, they're both gonna. I mean, Chet. Even when, when Chet's had it picked a couple times, I think Asar Thompson got it from him the other night. Um, you know, it just that's going to be hard physically. You, you, some of that will just be adjusting your game because, like, envision those guys getting low enough for that not to happen. It's like an impossibility physically. Like, they, they can't do that. Um, you can tighten it up some, but there's a limit, I think, to that. Um, but it's, it's just so fun to watch. Uh, I remember, like, way back in the day, I think maybe Rick Pitino used to talk about this, and maybe it was, it was even Rick Pitino, like, saying a thing Pat Riley said, but like Rick Pitino had this wild vision of the future where these like six ten and seven foot guys would play small forward or whatever, and they would be on the wing and they would shoot jump shots. And I used to just think like, this guy is like Isaac Asimov. This is never happening. You know, that's just an impossibility. And here we are. And it's, um, you know, those guys, I don't know how many of those guys there's going to be, but we've got two of them and it's, it is wild. It really does feel like the future. Yeah, it's it is interesting that like uh, Patino specifically, just thinking back during that time, he he had some teams that were a little like that that seemed sort of like a, a preview of way the way rosters would go. It was interesting whenever he had. I'm trying to make this a discussion because I know we both could do this, but when he had his, <laughs> right. his actual pick of players, he actually kind of started to go back towards traditional bigs, you know, with Jing and teams like that, and Mango Mathau or whatever his name was. Um, Magu- what was it? How what was this last name? Mango. Mathang? Yeah, it was Mathang. Um, yeah. But, yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I, I was just thinking back about like those McCarty teams where you had like a six ten like power forward who could shoot threes and things like that, and that's that definitely seemed like a pre uh, like a preview of things to come. Um, another kind of musical thing I, I think of, and this this applies to the Thunder, I think to a certain extent. Um, I think of like league past teams as as sort of bar bands, you know, the team that you found before everybody else, and you're all excited about it, and then they kind of go mainstream, and it's a little less fun. Um, and I, I wonder kind of what's one, if the thunder have been that for you at all in these past couple of years. And two, if this year is a little different, if they, if they start to become that, maybe they're playing bigger bars now, you know what I mean? Does it take a little of the joy out of it? If there are expectations and more people are aware of it. Um, I think you hit it. I mean, the expectations are the thing that shift everything. Um, you know, my buddy Tyler Parker that I work with is a huge Thunder fan and he and I have conversations about this all the time. It's like the, the, the sweetest time is that early time when the expectations aren't on there yet and you can go in and, you know, play the one seed and beat their brains in and then, you know, have a great time. And then a couple nights later, lose to somebody who's not in the playoffs. Or, you know, it's just the disaster <laughs> of being young, you know, you're brilliant, the highs and lows of that. Um, yeah, uh, I've enjoyed watching them because, um, you know, Shay, Shay was a guy that I really was high on coming into that particular. That was like the first draft that I covered uh, in, a, in any semi-official capacity. So I was kind of watching them for that reason. I've been fascinated by their rebuild. I've been fascinated by the people who have gotten mad at their rebuild because I found it hilarious that anyone would be annoyed by that just because it was so short. I mean, they were in the playoffs. Right. And then, and then re completely rebuilding. And another thing too is just that I think as you cover the draft and talk about the draft a lot, you kind of start to form your own philosophical kind of hierarchy of what you value and how you go about, um, you know, putting players in order. And I frequently found that you know my values have lined up with OKC's. You know, Jalen Williams, um, Santa Clara, Jalen Williams, that is. Um, with somebody, well, both of them really, but uh, him in particular, he was one of the guys I was the highest on in that draft. Um, turns out I, it was one of those ones I should have gone in even more. Uh, he's it's in terms of like his ranking in that class. Um, but I, I'd say that's that's the big reason is is not having a sort of rigid uh, roster building kind of thing, and instead just kind of accruing these flexible parts, like we were talking about making the musician comparison again just really really keying on intelligence I, th I think that's something that is really paramount in building rosters today with the speed of basketball um you know having as many handlers as you can have out there you know we got into this mindset of like offensive hub spacers roller it's like no okay yeah. okay see is this sort of like nano technology thing that's like <laughs> moving around and there isn't really a way there isn't like a, a specific place where you can shut their water off it's kind of they're building this thing that has this angular multi-angular um way that it's built and i i think that has been really fascinating to watch for me personally um and i i love we talked about the drummers and the guards and things like that um that's a big reason why i i just i just think i love weird collections of guards like that and yeah. um yeah they've been a they've been a, a joy to watch for that reason it's crazy because there's a part of me that thinks like people will ask like what what's the piece they need and you start to think like oh maybe they need a little bit more athleticism at power forward and maybe they need a little bit bigger wing because none of the wings that they have the the defense they, they don't have like a six seven guy or whatever but I, I think when you start to think that way it's a little bit dangerous with them because they're not ideally I think they don't add anything that messes up what they're doing now and so if they can't find the six seven defensive wing who can also 
put it on the floor and make a quick decision when the ball hits his hands and all that stuff, it can screw the whole thing up. And so you have to be careful about some of those like archetype pieces with this group, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. And I also think that there's this thing, there's this mindset that people get into where they're just like, well, you got to do this. You got to do that. Like, and you, you start thinking in terms of like, everyone else what everyone else is doing but it's like what they are doing is so unique that um you know defensively you need to be able to like stem the tide of some of these things like you know mm -hmm. 80s not going anywhere you know like there's some of these bigs out there that you probably should have one piece to sort of like mix and match your lineups and things like that but what they're doing is so gorilla um I, I guess that's 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 too fine a point even to put on it because it's not super gorilla. It's like you got a lot of big ball handlers. Um, that's not that novel enough. If if they had like eight, you know, six foot foot one guys, I'd say that's pretty novel. Like I don't want to go overboard <laughs> yeah. here and say like what OKC is yeah. doing is like super super weird, but it is angular in in a, in a way. Like I said earlier, to use that word again, um, where they are in a position to make people play their style. Um, you know, you obviously worry about. Was it Valanchunas that kind of, you know, chewed them up in that in that play in game a little bit? Yeah. You worry about that. But, you know, Chet's coming in here. You know, you've got Arkansas Jalen Williams coming in as a year older. I think those two together defensively are going to be tough. Um, I think you definitely want to preserve some kind of a mindset of like making making people come to your style that, rather than the other way around. Yeah. It, one of the things, you know, like I haven't watched them as closely as I will this year because I'm back covering them. But like if you just watch clips and stuff and, and watch the games that I've watched over the past few years, I would guess that in a given season now, Shea sets more screens than Russ set here, like in his time here. Yeah, overall, I don't um, I don't have second spectrum in front of me, but yeah. I, I think overall that. um that phenomenon is one of the more interesting ones in the league. You know, you saw a little bit of that with like the Warriors did it further from the basket, obviously yeah. with their, you know, with their um, split action and stuff and having their guards screen for each other. It's, it's an in interesting headache to, to, to have, but that, that phenomenon overall across the league has been a really fun one to sort of watch it balloon and watch teams get more creative with, with who screens and why things like that. Yeah. Where, where do they rank in terms of like the thunder this year, adding Chet, adding Case and Wallace, who we're going to talk about in just a second. Like, where do they rank in terms of, you, you don't have to put a number on this, but how, how intriguing are they just to watch and see what happens? They can beat anybody on any given night. I, I think this is, um, you know, them and I, I think the Spurs are interesting in this. The, those two teams parallel, I think, are going to be a really fascinating thing to watch. Um, Wimby obviously accelerates them, not trying to talk too much about the Spurs, but um they uh they're going to be fun to watch cuz they they have a lot of smart players. They have some guys with you know experience now. They they can beat anyone on any given night. Like I said, I I definitely think they're going to be able to punch above their weight. The question is like um how how soon is now? Like how how are how how far could they conceivably go with what they have now? Um in a playoff series, you don't want to get ahead of yourself because this team, you know, they've only been, you know, really, really competitive in a, in a playing game. Um, you don't want to assume, but I don't know. I mean, uh, you know, Bill took them as high as four. I was like, I don't know if I'm ready to go that high, but I definitely think that it's reasonable to think of them as a playoff team now, because I do think the core things are in, in place. You've got enough assets, um, you know, picking that, that, quote unquote last piece i don't even know what that is or what that might be um uh, maybe you, maybe you use the intel from this season to sort of figure out what the roadmap for that is i think just run it 
you have enough pieces you don't have to lose you can just play this straight up and see how it goes and then try to make a decision from there based on how it goes i think that's the thing i think the missing piece might be a couple of pieces here and there some different things that they want they're not like you know the I, the example i always use is like they're not going to get carl towns you know like that's not what this is that's not what they're doing here you know and so i think and they should because of the nature that <laughs> the, yeah yeah <laughs> the absolution that's why i like to use them as an example because i know it'll never happen um but like they, they they i think the the piece for them might be you know hey maybe we overpay a little bit because we do see this one wing who can, you know, is we see him as a 38% three-point shooter and a good defender, and we can give a little bit more than somebody else could give to get that piece because we think it's, like, the perfect fit. I think some of that – and then, like, what is Chet? I think is so much of what this year is is, like – they played it. They started him at center. They played him a lot at center, not exclusively in preseason. I think this is a year where you sort of figure out, can he play that, you know, over the, the course of however many games he plays, can he play the bulk of his time there? Do they need to add another person who just gives them a change of pace um, kind of center and lets him play the four some, you got to figure out all that stuff before you start, I think, compiling assets together to go get your, your missing piece. Yeah. It's interesting to think about. I've heard people talk about, there's a temptation to sort of get a parked at the rim drop big for this team. You, you keep hearing people say that. Um, I don't know. I think about like a Yaka Pertle would be interesting with this group. Mm-hmm. Just somebody to have in the road. Just a big body who's confident, who can pass the ball. Um, if you could find, you, you could almost fo- follow that Golden State blueprint and find, if you could find a like distressed asset of like, um, you know, Bogut was the guy that they went and got. Uh, it's not like they gave up nothing for that, but uh, I mean, that's an interesting one. Uh, somebody who uh, I always, you know, touch time and like th- somebody that can make decisions and get it out of their hands quickly. Um, if you could go find somebody like that, that doesn't necessarily need is, is on an a part of the arc of their career, who is not going to be upset by like not starting or maybe being the seventh, eighth man in this group. Um, that could be somebody you could go find. Um, but um, yeah, I don't, I don't know about like going and finding somebody like that and trying to like shoehorn them into the, into the right. starting lineup. Um, but the wing thing is interesting. I don't know. Like, uh, is there one that you think in particular, like the Siakam gets talked about a lot. I don't know. I don't know about that one because, because of how much he needs the ball in his hands, you know? Yeah. That one feels a little, it feels like a, um, like he might just be a little bit of a, yeah, I, I'm trying to think of another way to say he needs the ball. But yeah, I mean, I just think he might be a li- not not necessarily a ball stopper, but a guy who would want it in his hands a little more than what they want. You know, like uh, my good friend Andrew Schlecht, who you might know, has he keeps he's thrown out the name Corey Kispert just for fun. You know, um, he doesn't solve that defensive stuff, but if you wanted another shooter um, who's not going to be a guy where the ball sticks, like maybe that's a guy you go overpay for a guy like Corey Kispert. He doesn't solve that idea of like Dort's an excellent defender, but do you at some point need a a six, seven defender. Um, there's not a name that jumps out at me, but it's a piece I think that they might have to look at down the road. And that might also be something they feel like they can develop with one of their own draft picks. You know, they could find a guy like that in a draft that they just fall in love with. Yeah. I think you kind of look at the, um, the gravity kind of on the roster. I mean, <laughs> you got Breton's there, but he's not going to be the answer, obviously long-term. <laughs> I mean, this might be sort of, you th- do you think Breton's is just kind of like in a way station situation and they can kind of move him on or what, what's the, what's the deal with him? I I think they like the idea of what he can give them. I think the problem with him is, look, it's not a, you know, like they don't want the ball to stick. That's not a problem with Bertans. The ball's not going to stick. It's just he's not going to do going anything up. else with it but shoot it. <laughs> right. He's going to shoot it every time. And that's, it's, it's fine. I think they, 
he may be something of a placeholder to me, and nobody has said this to me. This is some speculation on my part. They they made the move because they wanted Case and Wallace, and I keep saying we're going to talk about Case and Wallace. We really are. Um, but they, they that was a means to an end. But I do think he's he's an interesting sort of like um, he's a he's an archetype player. He's that like big wing shooter. Um, and what does it look like to integrate another guy like that? And is that is he the guy or is there some other guy in that mode who's a little more in line age wise with your core? Um, and, and how does he fit? And if he's not an elite defender, how do you make up for that? And maybe if he's not the best passer on the team, um, you know, what can you do to adjust to it? Um, so I, I think he could be an experimental guy to see, like, what what does a type like this look for us, maybe? Yeah, I, I was kind of just, you know, coming down through here. I mean, I don't, marketing would be an interesting thing to do for them if they could get a hold of somebody mm -hmm. like that. But it, I guess, do you want to try to, how big do you want to try to get on the wing? I don't know. I, I, I could see Bretons coming, like Bretons being like, okay, we, we have this sort of blueprint of like a, a guy that's, that's bigger, that can, that can give us a little maybe weak side contest, give us a little more length and stuff like that, and also hit threes. But those guys are kind of hard to come by. Yeah. Uh, you know, you see the Denver just got kind of lucky that they have a guy of that talent level who is um, sort of a, has an asterisk next to him as an asset. Kispert's interesting. Um, I don't know. I'm trying to look at the size through here to see if there's anybody that sticks out. Nobody really does. Um, yeah. Mm. It's interesting though. They're, they're an interesting team to sort of figure out when you say like, what do they need? Because they have effectively, they have their starting lineup and it looks like kind of their core starting lineup, but like is Dort, does he do everything you need at that position? Um, you know, is that something you want to look at down the road? That that's that's what fascinates me about the assets is that they don't need to package and go get a star. They've got a star, um, and they've got other guys who I think can turn into awfully good players. I don't know if Jalen Williams is going to be an all star, but like, would it surprise you if Jalen Williams makes an all star team or two? No, it wouldn't. I, th that was my we did a we did like a a redraft of uh, of twenty twenty two and went at the All Star weekend, and that was the cornerstone of my argument. I think he was like the second guy I took because uh, I said I think he's going to have like a Desmond Bain type All Star like leap. Like I think he's going to have a huge you know jump up in production. Um, I was going to ask you. I mean, I mean, when they took, are we going Kason? Are we going Kason? Which what 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 is it's it here? It has been established that it's Kaysen. We had a blip there. I don't know. I have my suspicions about what happened there, but I don't. I don't know. I'm not sure. I think it threw maybe somebody mispronounced it somewhere, and then there was a cover story, and then I, and everybody's back to what he's always gone by, as far as I know. Thank God, it really threw my brain off having to call him Kaysen. Yep. Uh, I was I was struggling. Um, no, I, I think you know Nick Batum is an interesting archetype. Not that there are many of those guys floating out there. If you could find a, a younger yeah. guy who's switchable, who can shoot threes, can guard above his above his weight class, there. Um, I was I was curious. Um, what is what does Kaysen do for the door discussion? Because that's what I thought whenever I saw, um, whenever I saw that draft pick i was just thinking okay well now they they've kind of got the the defensive issues there they, they've got a defensive tool that's similar but this guy has like legit pick and roll sort of upside um as, as maybe you know your fourth ball handler but what, what do you think you know Kaysen does for the for the dort discussion going forward it's interesting because i think a lot of people had that thought like when they drafted him did they just draft the dort replacement because you know dort 
he plays bigger than he really is. He's, he's just not that tall. Kaysen is shorter, but not a lot shorter. And he has a lot of the same defensive abilities and he's, you know, theoretically a better ball handler and a better creator. Um, we haven't seen him do that at the NBA level, but certainly that's his pedigree. Um, I don't think he makes Lou Dort redundant. I think it's great for them to have two of those guys and have the option of putting them on the floor together, have one of them out there at all times, just a guy who can really be dogged on the ball. Um, but I do think he gives them some flexibility there. You know, I, I think if you decided that the move you needed to make, um, the team that you were trying to make that move with wanted Lou Dort. I mean, like, I don't think today you feel that way about Casey Wallace necessarily, but I think you can see a world where they feel like, okay, we can let go of this piece because we've got this next thing coming up. He, he really interests me. Um, not only cause I watched him play at Kentucky a lot, as I know you did, but he's been kind of an, you know, he, he's sort of a, I don't know. I talked to Cal Perry uh, two weeks ago or so, and and you know we were joking about whether he's a point guard or whether he's a guy off the ball. And Cal was like, well, in, in high school, he was kind of a center the way they used him, right? It was like he was kind of all over the floor, and they'd put him in the middle of the court sometimes. And defensively, he might play center. He'd go mix it up with bigger guys. Um, but like to me, you watch him play a lot at Kentucky, and sometimes he's on the ball there, and sometimes he's off. But like when talking to Mark Dagnold about him, he said the thing they really loved about him is he's got a great off-ball instinct, knows where to be in space. Um, ball doesn't stick with him. He knows to swing it or drive it or shoot it in a hurry. Um, like when you saw him at Kentucky, were you thinking this guy's a point guard at the next level or he just plays? No, I, I figured he'd be kind of a Drew Holiday role. I mean, people kept comparing him to Drew, which I thought was a little off the rails. But I, I think he... He projected as somebody that could play, you know, he played next to Rylan Griffin, who's at Alabama still in high school. And he's, he's just somebody that is a high IQ player. He can sort of play point guard for you a little bit. Um, but anymore, you know, I get a little, I get a little tired with the, the, the point guard thing is just so rigid and that's just not how basketball is played anymore. It's just kind of like, you got a lot of decision makers on the floor. Maybe one of them is going to be your main hub, but they need to quickly get off it. Um, I don't. That's just kind of a commentary. Of me falling out of out of love with heliocentrism, heliocentrism <laughs> in general. But Cason, uh, no, oh, I, I thought that he was going to be a second or a third. <laughs> it's it's gotten around. Um, it's kind of becoming. It's established. I mean, I think it's gone. I think uh, yeah. Seth Partnow was the guy I first heard use it, and it's just kind of made its way all the way um, to to all the the far edges. Um, I figured Kaysen would be a, a second or third ball handler, probably more likely to be third. I thought that he'd probably guard the ball on one end and be a spacer. It, he fit, you know, it wasn't somebody that I expected OKC to take, but when I saw them made, make that pick on draft night, I was just like, I don't know why I wasn't thinking about this. Of course, you, you see all the guards they have, but I was like, this makes sense just because he, because of the skills you were talking about. Yeah. he. It was interesting because Cal Perry talked about him as a quick processor and knowing that the Thunder... Uh, likes those kind of guys, those guys who can, you know, the ball hits their hands and they know what to do in a hurry. Um, and Calipari talked about like playing with randomness. Basically what he did, uh, as you can appreciate, talked a lot about ways they don't really play at Kentucky, um, but that he's really well suited to play in the NBA. Yeah, I have a lot of thoughts on that with Cal. Um, you know, <laughs> if you want to play random, you need to build your rosters the way. Random indicates, um, you know, you know, teams that lack like, the processing thing that you're talking about you need to kind of have multifaceted like high variable variability players who can like do a number of things on the floor 
Um, you know, like don't go into it with non-starters like a 5A point guard that can't shoot, you know, threes or get to the basket, things like that. Um, that's just one example. I just made that one up off the top of my head. Um, yeah. If, if you want to play that way, you're going to have to recruit play. I, you know, Villanova's done an incredible job of recruiting players like that in recent memory. But um, yeah, th- this past year, I think, I think it was tough. Kaysen probably would have gotten picked higher. I thought for sure the Magic were going to take him because I thought he fit what they needed. Um, thought that that w- would have been a good one. Um, but he, he was just overburdened, I think. The reason we didn't see it is last last year you saw Cal's sort of like conflicting philosophies. Um, putting him in situations that stressed him and over the course of the year I, I think we we need there was this just kind of like they needed him to step up and be the primary and I don't know that like Kaysen necessarily is wired to play that way he's a lot better suited to be that like second or third guy like we're talking about right well, Kyle I uh, I got a plane to catch um, so we're gonna have to bail but tell people where they can find your work anything you're working on right now you want people to see let them know Oh, we got a lot of irons in the fire. We're ramping up our draft coverage over on the Ringers website, over uh, over on YouTube. You can find me in podcast form on um, on One Shining Podcast on Mondays with Tate Frazier. We're gonna we do a lot of college basketball. I think we're gonna be doing the NBA draft show here. I'm not sure when that's gonna start. Uh, this season, one of the big projects I'm going to be doing uh, on a consistent basis is uh, is a rookie ranking build on the site. So I'm going to nice. be talking. Uh, you'll you'll get to hear it from me about Kaysen and and about uh, about Chet. And uh, you can you know my videos are going to be on YouTube. I'm all over the place. So a lot of juggling, spinning a lot of plates, but I love it. That's awesome, and I I enjoy all the plates that you're spinning. Thanks for coming on. Really appreciate it. Uh, much, much thanks to Jay Kyle, man. I'm going to go back to calling him Jay Kyle now. Cause I'm not, uh, I'm, I'm more formally uh, saying his name. If this is your first time listening to our show, uh, please subscribe on YouTube, Apple podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. If you like what you heard, give us a review and remember to check out all of our thunder coverage at selloutcrowd.com. Thanks. We'll see you next week.